0: I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Do you know who said that? Uh, Really, anyone could say it, right? Grief has a way of of sticking with us. Grief has a way of, of sticking to us. What stood out to me, though, about uh, that phrase is it was made, it it was recorded, not just by someone in history, not by someone today during this pandemic. It was made and recorded by one of the most beloved and respected prophets of God in Scripture. His name is Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was so respected, so looked up to by the Jewish people that when Jesus walked the earth during his earthly ministry, many Jewish people believed that Jesus was Jeremiah brought back from the dead. It would even be easy for us to to believe, to think that someone who is so respected, so admired, so looked up to as a spiritual leader that they would ever make a statement like that about grief. But, but today, I want us to look at this moment in the life of Jeremiah, and I want to walk us through something I believe is incredibly important in our spiritual lives. Today, I want us to learn from Jeremiah what godly grieving looks like. If you don't know, by the way, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here at Element, and I am so, so thrilled that you've chosen to connect with us today. Our vision here is to help guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And my prayer is that through our time today, all of us would be empowered to take one more step in at least one area of our spiritual lives from our vision. And before I forget, I do want to say happy Mother's Day as well to all the moms out there. I know that for many of you, you won't get to spend time with your kids or time with your mom the way that you normally would. So for all the moms, I want you to know we see you, we love you, and we celebrate and honor you today. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. But even though Mother's Day is a day of celebration for many people, it actually fits this idea of grieving as well. Uh, Mother's Day is not always a day of celebration for people. For some, it's actually a day of, of pain, and not just for the women either. Uh, for many people, Mother's Day is a, a reminder of a mom that was taken too soon from the earth, from this life. It's a reminder for, for others of the fact that, that you long to be a parent, but you are unable to have children for whatever reason. For, for other people, it might be a reminder of a broken relationship with a mom or an abusive relationship with A mom, And please hear me, I'm not saying that to to pour salt into open wounds, I'm just acknowledging the fact that with all the celebration we have on Mother's Day, and we should celebrate, it's a day to celebrate our moms, but with all the celebration, there's pain for many people on Mother's Day. So if you are someone who on Mother's Day, it brings up pain or grief in your life, I just want to say we see you too. Uh, we love you, we are standing with you, we are praying for you on this day. One of the things I think that's being forgotten uh, during this pandemic is the amount of grieving we are going to have to face or the grieving we have already faced in this time. There's, there's obvious grieving over the loss of jobs, loss of life, loss of retirement accounts that many people have, have suffered. The, those, those are the obvious ones. But as we continue to walk through this pandemic, and now as we begin to try and come out of it, I think there is lots of grieving that we are going to need to do, to to walk through in our lives. The, these things might seem trivial when compared to the, the big losses that, that other people have, have gone through. And I'm not comparing these things in any way to the to the big losses people have had to, to grieve over. I'm just saying they are real losses nonetheless. Graduations have been canceled. Travel plans have been changed. Olympic athletes have, have lost maybe their last chance, some of them, to, to compete in the Olympics because they are postponed. High school and college seniors who are also athletes don't have that last chance to make a run in their sporting event. Family reunions have been canceled. Weddings have been postponed or not experienced in the way that they've been planned. Birthday celebrations are just not the same as they were before. Today is actually my my grandpa on my mom's side. It's his 99th birthday today. And on this day where my mom and her siblings would love to be there with uh, their dad, on his 99th birthday, because of the extreme uh, risk it is to the to the elderly, he lives in a nursing home. They're not able to to spend this very special day with their with their dad. Things aren't going to be the same in many aspects of life for a while. And for Christians and for churches, we're not exempt from that that either. As we come back. Together, there's going to be some adjustments we have to make. I think some, some things we have to grieve as we get back to the new normal, whatever that's going to be. In some way and in some form, all of us, all of us, we either are now or we will be grieving some kind of loss as we continue in and continue coming out of this Pandemic, and some of you are thinking, man, Pastor Jeff, this is the most depressing sermon I've ever heard in my life. But, but here's, here's the thing I really felt like God wanted me to teach us today on, on how we should grieve, that this is important whether we're in a pandemic or not. It's important whether we're facing a grieving situation now or not because all of us, even the greatest Christians ever, even the great prophet Jeremiah himself went through seasons of grief. And I believe he gives us a great example to follow in our grief. So here's the big idea for today. If you wanna write it down, if you're watching, it's on, on a screen, it's this. Grief might be inevitable, but the way we grieve is intentional. Grief might be inevitable. It's going to come. It's, it's coming in some way or some form. But the way we grieve, I think it should be intentional, especially for those of us who are, who are Christians. I believe there is such a thing as godly grieving. Grieving in a way that honors God, but also helps us navigate the difficult seasons that we, are, that we are in. Now, if you're joining us and, and you are, are not a Christian, I am so honored uh, that you are with us. Your, your belief in God does not determine our love for you or the way that, that we will welcome you. And, and maybe for you, it was a season of grief that, that led you to your disbelief in God. Maybe you, you lost someone or lost something and it caused you to distrust or not believe in God. If that's you, man, I get it. I do. But, but one of the reasons why I trust God, one of the reasons why I, I trust God's word is that, that God never promised us that we wouldn't have to grieve. He never promised us that we would never experience hurt or pain or loss in in this life. The Bible and Christianity never sugarcoats the realities of life. If anything, it warns us that they are, are coming, but also gives us the tools to use and the paths to walk so we can get through our difficult times. That grief might be inevitable, but the way we grieve is intentional, that there's such a thing as godly grieving. So here's the big question I think we have to answer today. What does godly grieving look like? What does godly grieving look like? Our main scripture is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 17 through 26. Lamentations is in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. If you're watching on a screen somewhere, uh, all the scriptures will be there for you to follow along. If you don't own your own Bible, you can always download one for free on any uh, smart device from any app store that you use. It's called YouVersion. I would highly encourage you to use it. Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah that we mentioned earlier. Jeremiah is often referred to as the weeping prophet. And this book is called Lamentations because it is literally a lament over the situation that God's people were in. Jerusalem, The capital city of God's people, the place where the temple of God was, the presence of God dwelled, it was overrun and taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The walls had been torn down, the temple was destroyed, and thousands upon thousands of people were either killed or deported to Babylon as kings. Captives In chapter three of Lamentations, Jeremiah describes what he's feeling about this time with words like being in darkness, anguish, distress, bound in chains, walled in, helpless, devastated, filled with bitterness. My prayers are, are being shut out. And then we get to our main scripture, Lamentations 3, 17 through 20. Jeremiah says this, peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. Have you ever felt that way? The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. And then he says this in verse 20. It's what we started the sermon with today. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. He goes right uh, later on into verses 48 and 49. Uh, In chapter three, he says this, tears stream from my eyes because of the destruction of my people. My tears flow endlessly. They will not stop. So grief is inevitable. But the way we respond to grief, the way we grieve is intentional. So what does godly grieving look like? Well, the first thing you might think is a joke. You might think there's, this is not even a point. We should all understand this, but it's deeper than what you think. The, the first way we grieve is this. Number one, there should be tears. There should be tears. And when I say tears, I don't just mean physical tears, although that may be, that often happens in in our our grief. But that's not the only thing I'm referring to here. It's much deeper than that. What what I want us to see here is the fact that Jeremiah did not hide his expressions of grief. He, He laid it all out there. He said, I will never forget this awful Time, that, that tears stream from my eyes, they they flow endlessly, they they will not stop. So so can I just say something that I think so many Christians need to hear today? That it's okay to express your grief. It's okay to express your grief. In fact, not only is it okay, I would say it's recommended for us to be honest about our grief in life. Unexpressed grief is more dangerous than the grief itself. Grief's a part of life. Uh, We've already established all of us are gonna go through seasons of, of grief. Some of us are in seasons of grief right now, but unexpressed grief to God has the potential to become a repressed bitterness towards God. Let me say that again. Unexpressed grief to God has the potential to become a repressed bitterness towards God. That's more dangerous than the grief itself. And listen, I believe someone needs to hear this today, that God is not driven away by our expressions of grief. He's actually drawn to them. He draws near to us in our grieving. Psalm 34 verse 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Psalm 56 verse eight, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. How could God record my tears in a bottle if he was not close to me in my grief? That whenever we experience loss, uh, whenever we, we go through grief, I think we as Christians, we need to know there is freedom to express our grief to God. That God's big enough to handle all of my hurt, all of my pain, and all of my problems as I express it to him. And we, as Christian brothers and sisters, we need to be okay with allowing other people to express their grief as well. That, that please don't ever, don't ever let another Christian in your grief tell you that you shouldn't feel that way or shouldn't express your grief in that way. That's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. I mean, read the book of Psalms. David pulls no punches in telling God how he feels. Here in Lamentations, Jeremiah just lets it all lay out. Even Jesus himself, God in the flesh, in his humanity, expressed his grief to those closest to him, his disciples. On the night that he was arrested and eventually nailed to a cross for our sins, In the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, 38 records this. He he told them, his disciples, listen, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. That even Jesus, our Lord, in his humanity, expressed his grief. That yes, as Christians, we grieve with a greater hope a hope of an eternity that is to come. But just because we have hope doesn't mean we don't hurt. That actually leads right into the next thing Jeremiah models for us here. I want to read verse 20 again. And then verses twenty through 20, 21 through 24 of Lamentations 3 says this. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet love that word, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends, his mercies never cease, great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. How awesome is that? for Jeremiah to to speak about such hope in the midst of his tears, that grief might be inevitable, but the way we grieve is intentional. So what does godly grieving look like? Well, there should be tears. That's a, a healthy part of life. But number two is this, there should be a transition. There should be a transition. This, by the way, is where godly grieving divides from everyone else. Like everyone, every human being should practice the first thing we talked about. It is, it is healthy, it is good for everyone to express their, their grief. But godly grieving doesn't just express our hurts, it makes a transition and also expresses our hope. That's what Jeremiah modeled in our text here. I mean, Jeremiah basically said, my life sucks right now. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss yet, yet. I love that word. I know it's only a transitional word in scripture, but it's one of my favorite words in all of the Bible and perhaps the greatest transition that we can ever make in the midst of our grief yet I will hope in him, why? Be, because yes I have grief but but yet I still have God yes I experience uh, hurt but but yet my hope is in him yes I have lost lost loved ones but I have never lost the love of God yes I might lose my money I might my all my retirement might be gone but but the Lord is is my inheritance therefore I will hope in in him that that the Lord I don't have my inheritance just in the Lord the Lord is is my inheritance that, listen, that God's love is not based on what happens to me. God's love is based on what he already did for me, paying the price for my sins. That the only place you ever have to look to see the love and faithfulness of God is right at the cross of Christ, where God with skin on bore my sins So I wouldn't have to. The Lord himself is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Grief might be inevitable, but the way we grieve is intentional. So what should godly grieving look like? There should be tears. It's healthy for us to express our grief to God and to those we love, but there should also be a transition That even in my tears, even in the expression of my my grief, I'm also expressing my hope in the Lord. Lastly, number three is this. There should be trust. There should be, even in my grief, trust. Verses 25 and 26 of our main scripture, Jeremiah says, the Lord is good to those who depend on him to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. That in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our hurt, yes, there should be tears, that's healthy. Yes, there should be a transition of of yet I will hope in him, but there also needs to be a trust that I'm choosing to trust the Lord to depend on him regardless of what happens in this life. This is one of the reasons why I believe communion should be so powerful as a reminder in our lives. Communion, often called the Lord's Supper, was instituted during during by Jesus during the last meal that he shared with his disciples before his death and resurrection. It was the last time that he was with them And in the Lord's Supper, he reminded them of why they could trust him, why we can trust him. On that night, Jesus warned them about the bad things that were about to come, the, 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 the grief they were going to walk through. But he also reminded them that even in their grief, they could have peace. Even in their grief, they could trust him. As a part of his final conversation with them, look what he said in John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. We've used this verse several times in the last couple of of weeks. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Then John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And why can we have peace even in the midst of our grief? Why can we trust him? Because he gave his body for us. He shed his blood for us. He died on the cross for us. And he rose to life so that he can live in and through us. As Jesus was sitting around the table with his disciples on that last night of his earthly life, he he took some bread. He he broke it. He passed the bread uh, around the table, and and he said, uh, take this and eat it. And whenever you eat this bread, remember me, my body given for you. And then he took a cup of wine and and he passed the cup around the table and he said, drink it. And he said, whenever you drink this cup, remember me, my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins and the sins of mankind. That Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We can trust him because he paid the price for our sins by dying on the cross. And then he overcame the world and all of its grief by rising from the dead. That grief might be inevitable, but the way we grieve is intentional. So so what does godly grieving look like? There should be tears. We should express our grief, but there needs to be a transition that yet I will hope in him. And then there needs to be a trust that Jesus, because of what you did for me, I trust you. I trust you even in my grief. Have you made that decision yet? Have you made the decision to trust Jesus with your life, to, to, to put your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins? If you haven't done that yet, today is the perfect day. I would even say right now, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus by simply expressing your faith through this prayer. Just pray this prayer silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and rose from the dead. So, so Jesus, I put my faith in you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean, make me new. Come into my life Empower me by your Holy Spirit to to repent and turn from my old sinful life and now follow you in a new life. I receive from you salvation. Lord, Lord, help me to trust you, even in my grief. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. I will do my best to love you back. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, I'm so proud of you. We are proud of you. Your heavenly father is proud of you. And we want to say welcome to the family. If you're watching on the live platform, you can just click the button that says you are raising your hand to acknowledge that you are committing your life to Jesus, putting your faith in him. If you're watching somewhere else, uh, you can just text us the word one to the number 41400. Text the word one to 41400. And we wanna welcome you into the family today and offer you some some free resources as well that gets you taking your next step with Jesus. Here in a moment, the band's going to lead us in worship. Uh, Both songs that they are, are singing today tie perfectly into this subject we've been talking about today. But but as you worship uh, as you worship, I want to challenge you to to make that transition. Maybe during worship you're going to take communion. That's what I would challenge you to do. That that get some get a, get some juice or or a drink, get get some bread or or something to represent the body of Christ and and as you worship I want you to take a moment during worship and then receive communion. And when you do that, you might need to express some grief. Maybe some tears need to be shed. Maybe you need to tell God or tell someone in your life how you are really feeling and how you are really doing. But as you do that, as you receive communion, as you express your grief, I want you to make that transition. And say, yet I will hope in him. The Lord is my inheritance. So I'll hope in him. And I want you in worship to express your trust in God as well. Maybe you're going to express trust in his promises. We're going to sing about his promises. Maybe you express trust in his faithfulness and love. We're going to sing that as well. Whatever you need to express in this time, I would encourage you to do that. So let me pray for you uh, and then when I'm done, we're gonna move into, into worship and I would ask you to take communion during that time. Father in heaven, thank you Lord so much for the amazing example of people in scripture, even Christ himself, of what it looks like to walk through grief. Lord, in in our seasons of grief, Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for our church, I pray for everyone who's listening, that we, Lord, would be free to express our grief, that we'd shed tears. But Lord, in, in those tears, I pray we'd make the transition to also express our hope. And Lord, in the very end, regardless of what you do, I pray that we would trust you. So now, Lord, we take communion the body of Christ given for us, the blood of Christ shed for us, reminding us that we have a Lord that we can trust. The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. We love you, God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.